Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's all streaming now on Hulu. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Club Shay Shay. I am your host. I'm also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay, the guy that's on my show that stopped by a few minutes today is a 12-time All-Star, two-time All-Star MVP. He's a finals MVP, a two-time champion, a national champion, most outstanding player in college, one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history, Isaiah Thomas. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll a dice, that's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Isaiah, how are you today? I am good, brother, and thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for coming on. In all my years I've known you, Isaiah, I've never not seen you in a suit. Do you wear jeans? Do you wear shorts? Do you wear anything other than suits? Uh, you know what? One time, one time, I remember I, I went to do a, we did a, a little thing at NBA TV, that open court set. Okay. They told us all to come casual, right? So I put on jeans and a shirt, and Steve Smith grabbed me, right? He goes, no, 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 you should always wear a jacket. <laughs> so so this, this, is like, this is like my grade school Catholic boy uniform. <laughs> Okay, Isaiah, you grew up on the west side of Chicago, nine brothers and sisters. Obviously, normally when families come from big families like that, the parents are very disciplined, very strict. How was your upbringing in Chicago? Uh, just as you just described it, uh, my, my, my family, um, you know, uh, six brothers, two sisters. Uh, we were a big family. Mom and dad were um, uh, very, uh, I guess you would say, strict. Um, but, you know, when we, when we talk about being strict and disciplinarians, uh, at that age, they're only telling you to do the right things. You Correct. Know, you know, when you're young and you're teenagers, you always want to veer off the beaten track. And, and uh, they just had a way of keeping you uh, on the right track, giving you positive messages. And even though we were extremely poor, uh, you know, there was that poverty line and then there was the line below poverty. We were there. <laughs> Right. We were, you know, a couple of times we were homeless, set out, you know, living from just place to place. But when I look back on on, on growing up and how we live, uh, somehow my mom and my dad always found a way to to make us smile uh, with a song or or do something just to take your mind off the pain that you was really going through. So I give them a, a lot of credit for just. I don't know how they navigated us, uh, you know, through the path that we were we were on at that time, uh, but somehow they 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 did it and made sure that 
you know, I got through. Isaiah, you mentioned you have nine brothers. It's nine of you guys. You're the youngest of the nine. So how, how would your parents, were your parents like, I'm talking about the difference between, I think the thing is you grew up in the 60s and early 70s, and I know what strict back then meant as opposed to what strict is now. There are two different types of strict. There are strict in the 60s and 70s, and there's strict in the, in the 21st century. So those are different. So explain to our viewer, uh, listeners and viewers what strict meant to you growing up back then. Uh, it, it meant really just there was a there was a, a respect for your elders mm -hmm. that, that you always had to give. I yes. Mean, it, was, it was always Mr. and Mrs. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. It, mm -hmm. it was never, hey, Betty, how you doing? <laughs> and, and, and just that, 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 that type of respect in terms of dignity for yourself, dignity for your fellow man or person that you were dealing with. That's what I mean by, by strict. And in, in terms of, of being disciplined, um, you know, the, the way child rearing was back then and the way it is now are, are two totally different things. I mean- You're going to jail now for what they did back then. Yeah, my, my, my mom right now, she would not be looked at, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in loving eyes. Right. And, now, and nowadays as she was back then. Right. You know, uh, I, I would say, um, you know, the the way the way things were and the way we had to come through to survive, has she not been able to corral us all in and keep us focused on education, keep us focused on doing the right things? And even though she only had a third grade education herself, mm -hmm. she always made sure that somehow we we had a, a, a meal, uh, and you know sometimes we would have to beg and. Uh, I remember one time we were standing in uh, the, the food line um, and, you know, you, when you're standing in the, back then you used to call it the soup line. Okay. So we were standing in the soup line and we had just got out of school. And so at four o'clock, we standing in the soup line and kids still coming from school. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this little boy walked by and he was teasing me and I tried to get out of line to get him. Man, my mother snatched me so hard. <laughs> she snatched me so hard, put me back in line because you know if you lose your, your place in line, you got to go all the way back. All the way line. to the back. Yeah. So, and I never forget she snatched me so hard. But you know when she snatched me, you know how they snatch you by your ear <laughs> and pull you back in. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. But Isaiah, as you mentioned, it was yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. That just wasn't for your your parents. That was for anybody. Of age that you had to show the ultimate respect towards. Yes, have to show the ultimate respect for them. And then when an older person that's older than you, yes, coming down the street, you had to stop, let them walk by, and 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 keep going. And and I grew up in some. I grew up in the roughest neighborhood on, on the west side of Chicago that you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But that type of respect for your elders and people who were older than you, that was always there. And to a certain extent, it's still there a little bit today. Isaiah, you growing up west side of Chicago. What did you, obviously, that's not, I mean, how your parents were. You like, I want something better than this. Obviously, you had to imagine that there was something better than this that on the west side of Chicago. So how did your upbringing help you? Like, I can get, I need to get up out of here and I can get out of here. You know, that's where sports kicked in. Mm -hmm. uh, so being, being involved in sport uh, allowed me to be on a, a travel team. 
Okay. You can go outside of your, your, your four block radius that we all were confined to. Uh, you, would, you would travel outside of that, you know, with your team and you would get to see other communities. Right. Not only would you get to see other communities, you would meet other people. And you would see that there's a different way of life other than what you saw on television. Mm -hmm. You knew it was a different way of life because you saw it on television, but you didn't know that it was maybe five miles away from you. Right. And, and that, that allowed you to think, think bigger, that allowed you to aspire to be more. But a lot of that really, you know, it, it, it comes back to, you know, the messages that's being uh, reverberated in your household about, hey, you know, this isn't the last stop. And the only way we were, we were taught, the only way you're going to get out of here is not with this basketball, but mm -hmm. with these books. Right. Because without these books, you can't play with this basketball. Right. Because uh, they went hand in hand. And, and Shannon, you remember when we were growing up, hey, the bad guys couldn't be on the team. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it wasn't no such thing as, oh, he can give me 20 points and 10 rebounds. Nah. He's a bad guy, but we'll put up with it. No, 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 no. The, the, the bad guys, you know, in terms of your personality, your mm -hmm. personhood, as a teammate, can you, can you be with this group? But if you were a bad person, right, you got kicked off the team and they didn't care how many points and rebounds you can get. Nowadays, the bad guy can be on the team. Right. Which is, which is different than the way we grow up. So did you really, okay, you were good at basketball. You're on the traveling team. Did you feel that this was going to be your opportunity? This was going to be your way out? This was a way that Isaiah was going to take care of his family and, his, and, and the family that he grew up with? No. So when, you know, the, narr the narrative around uh, us as, as professional uh, basketball players is that we grew up wanting to be NBA players. Mm -hmm. you know, the NFL was on television. But right. Remember, NBA won no television. No, it was not. <laughs> no. So so when I was growing up, it was never like, oh, the NBA dream, you're going to make all this money because there were, that wasn't there for us. Even though you knew it was an NBA, it wasn't like, you know, the NFL. Right. And, and, and so all my goals were geared towards law school, trying to go to law school, trying to be a lawyer, come back to the community, you know, uh, be a criminal defense lawyer, help you know, help my communities. That, that, right. That's where everything was geared towards. Now, then, you know, as basketball started to get more popular and I was looked at as a good basketball player, you know, then you got scholarships and everything else. But that wasn't the childhood dream because it wasn't on television. As a matter yeah, of fact, I, I dream more about playing football than I did. <laughs> because Isaiah, as you mentioned, only the game of the, only the, game of the week was live and even the NBA Finals, Magic Johnson's NBA first year in the uh, the championship, that was tape delayed. People yeah. think, oh, basketball's been this 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 behemoth all these years. No, it wasn't. Finals were tape delayed. They were played, and then you you already knew who won, but you watched it anyway because you wanted to see the game. Exactly, exactly. No, the behemoth has always been the NFL. Yes, and and the the NFL has. Uh, you know, inspire, even though we play basketball. And that's why you see a lot of basketball players now still, you know, gravitate to football because right. football, football to me, it, it, it is the sport in terms of, okay, everything is real, you know, it, and everything's about, you know, being in your position, working together as a team. And if right. you don't do your job, 
as a left t- tackle or right tackle or guard or center, somebody getting hurt. Right. <laughs> Some, somebody getting right. hurt. So, you know, if if we don't do our jobs on the basketball court, okay, you there may be a turnover, somebody, you know. Somebody gets scored on. But in, but in football, really, if that person doesn't do his job, somebody is going to get hurt. So right. the trust that you that you build on a football team that you play with as teammates, mm-hmm. hey, that that's a, that's different than than you know what you have on a basketball team. And that's why I always gravitated. If you look at all my teams right. that I played on and that I was captain of, we always played with a football mentality. Right. You know, the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons, we were wearing football jerseys. The Ra- y'all tell you the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all, that, that's, that's what we, we brought a football mentality to basketball. And people think it was a physicality, but it wasn't a physicality. It was a mentality in terms of trust, people coming together, taking care of each other and looking out for each other. So you're growing up, you're undersized. So who are some, when you're growing up, who are some of the NBA stars that you like? Okay, I kind of like him. I like his game. I can, well, there's not a whole lot on, but you heard about guys. There anybody that you wanted to be like, you idolized? They, they were all in my neighborhood and my, my older brothers. And again, you got to remember, it wasn't on television. Right. So we, we, you know, up until, I guess, I guess 1980, 1980, 1979, that's when the NBA started getting on television. But I was a senior, you know, senior freshman in high school. Right. I mean, senior freshman in college. Right. Uh, so uh, growing up, I always wanted to be like guys in the neighborhood. You always right. imitated somebody's move. My older brother, uh, I always tried to imitate him, steal a lot of his moves. And then there was a guy by the name of Sam Puckett, uh, who actually was my brother's rival at another school. Okay. Uh, I tried to imitate some of his game too. So coming obviously coming from Chicago, I mean, normally when you hear about basketball players, you hear about Chicago, you hear about New, New York, you hear about the big cities. So you go to Indiana. What was the thought process of going to Indiana? I'm sure you had heard some of the stories about Coach Knight. And then it's reported that your brother and Coach Knight get into it when he comes to recruit you. Well, all that's true. And by the way, if you hear something scratching, that's my dog behind me. So I saw I saw him walk in. Yeah. And now most people probably think I got a big dog, but that, hey, that little fella, he tough now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I didn't make the decision to go to Indiana. That was made by my mom. And and, and again, back then, remember remember your, your mom and your dad, they they had the hammer. Right. I never forget, you know, my mom, you know, called the press conference. And she said, my son has made his decision. <laughs> He's decided to go to Indiana University and play for Coach Knight. And I was like this. <laughs> and, and yeah, he and my brother, they got into it. And they got into a, they got into a, you know, a pretty big fight. And, um, you know, the reason why. What happened? Got, what was it about? Well, uh, Coach Knight was recruiting me to come to Indiana. In, in Bloomington, Indiana. Right. And and the next uh, town over from Bloomington was Martinsville, Indiana. Okay. Clan started at. And right. Clan is is you know has a, a big presence in in the state of Indiana. Right. And and so my brother, you know, uh, he asked Coach Knight, 
he said, uh, well, you know, when Junior's down there, because that's what they call me in the family, they said, when Junior's down there, if, if something was to go down with the clan, who's going to take care of him? And, you know, I thought it was a I thought it was kind of a funny answer. Coach Knight said, well, if we're winning, they will. <laughs> so we just kind of laughed it off. Right. My brother didn't think that was funny. Right. <laughs> so, so he's like, oh, you know, you know, he went into his thing and, right. you know, and, and so they, they got into, you know, a little back and forth. And then my brother said, well, hey, we can take this outside. And Coach Knight stood up, took his jacket off, rolled up his sleeve, and was like, yeah, we can take this outside. <laughs> and, you know, everybody in the house, we were panicking. Oh, no, no. You know how households are. Right. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no, no. Now, now, Shannon, you know, let me let me paint the scene. So we, at that time, we got no lights. We, we poor is poor. So all our meetings have to be in the, in the daytime. Right. Right. So it's about 4 o'clock, and, you know, Again, we got, you know, it, it's actually it was a big roach crawling behind Coach Knight's head. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and it, and it was like, we were sitting there like, go away, go away, go away, you know? They so, don't come out until you have company, Isaiah. Right, right. <laughs> and and so, sorry about my dog. But anyway, no, so, so now it's getting to be a little dusk. And, and I remember, you know, so the, the scuffle, you know, started happening. Not a scuffle, but the back and forth. Right. Coach Knight took off his jacket, and we was all, no, 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 no. And you know, it's that one person in the room who ain't moving, ain't doing nothing. Right. And that was my mom. My mom was looking at him like, shaking her head. And I was like, oh, she like him. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, and so that's. That's how it went down. And my mom and my mom and my sister, you know, he he came in and he said, I'm gonna offer your son three things. A, he's gonna graduate from college. B, he's gonna be a gentleman. And C, everything that I know about basketball, I'm gonna teach him. And that was it. Isaiah, at the time that you went to college, were your father alive? My father was alive. Now um, the interesting thing about my father, my mother and my father, and, and again, you know, people who were coming up in the 60s, you, you will know this, um, you know, so we had to go on welfare. Mm -hmm. So when you go on welfare, I mean, the, the U.S. government was really breaking up your family because the man couldn't be inside the household. Right. And so the, my father had to leave so we can get on welfare, get the welfare check, and then they started having tension and everything else. But my mom, my dad, when he looked at Indiana, he did not like me playing basketball. Okay. My father didn't like nothing about entertainment. My father was everything about books, learning, getting educated, because this is the way you're going to make it in this world. Right. Son, if you think you're going to make it in this world, bouncing a basketball, that's not how you're going to make it. You're not going to be... You know, and, and, and his beliefs was, you know, entertainment, you know, wasn't, wasn't, the, wasn't the door or the avenue for you to make it. It was right. education. And those were his beliefs. Isaiah, the reason why I ask you that, because I don't know how many people know this, but we know this because we come from black families. 
the older brother took on the role as the father if the father wasn't in the house. And because you said your brother, your older brother had this conversation, that let me know, okay, when somebody, when the father was absent, he's the man of the house. He took yeah. on that responsibility. Yes, he did. And and they, and even though, and it's well documented, you know, my my brothers after after the Vietnam War, everybody fell into, you know, heroin and cocaine. Mm-hmm. And and my brothers, you know, a couple of them died. You know, one of them had HIV, and you know, so it was it was a, a a very difficult time during that period of time. But the messages that they were always giving me, right, during their hard times, was, hey, don't don't do what we're doing. Right, we can do something else. And and Shannon, I'll never forget. You know, uh, now now you got me going down memory lane. <laughs> Because when we start, when we're talking about my brothers, you know, everybody got the hand-me-downs. Right. Oh, yes. So me being the youngest, right? Oh, uh, you got you got three or four deep hand-me-downs. Three or four deep. But I couldn't fit my brother's clothes. So you know whose clothes I could fit? Your sister's? sister's clothes. I got my sister's clothes. <laughs> so you button up on the left side, too? <laughs> wearing a, I'm wearing a jeans. And you know, we knew, man, those are girl jeans. So I'm having to fire on people in elementary and junior high because they talk about I'm wearing girl jeans. So I got to fire on them. I say, I got no choice. That's how I got good with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, I was like, okay, well. Oh, it's going to be. My, on graduation day, I had on my sister's black patent leather boots. <laughs> and I had on her flowered red blouse with a hood on the back. And I had on her Providence St. Mel blazer. <laughs> that, was, that was my graduation outfit in eighth grade. So you go to you go to Indiana. What was it like playing for Coach Knight? I mean, we hear all these stories, but I've I've never talked to anyone that actually played for Coach Knight. You hear these stories about guys that that played for him, but I've never actually talked to someone that actually played for Coach Knight. So what's that like? So the, the stories that you that we all heard about him being a, a strong disciplinarian, mm-hmm. um, I was waiting for that. But what I found was that in our style of play, the way we played, there was great freedom. Mm-hmm. But with that great freedom came a great responsibility. Mm-hmm. So Shannon, we never had an under out of bounds play. We never had a play. There was no, we, we never came down and said, hey, 22 out. You know, we never, it was, it was all about reading and reacting, knowing your teammate, understanding your teammate, and making the right decisions every single time. So we, the way we played, it was, it was very free-flowing, and it was hard to scout because he believed, just like I believed, that pattern offense, and you know this from football, mm-hmm. when I can scout your pattern and and I understand your tendencies, then as a defensive player, I'm, I'm I got a good chance of stopping you. Right. But but if 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 I don't if and in basketball, what he gave us is the ability to always go left or right. And you had to make the right decision. Now he would come back and then we would watch it on film. And if you went left and it was the wrong decision, <laughs> it, was, it was always hell to pay 
right. making the wrong decision. Well, if he gave that, you that kind of leeway in, in, in the game, what was practice like? Because practice got because for someone to have that kind of trust in you in the game, you the 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 practices have to be held, Isaiah. The practice were intense. So the 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 intensity and the concentration uh and the energy that you had to bring bring to practice every single day. Uh, you know, you you got taught to always be at your maximum. Right. You got taught to always think at your maximum. And you got taught to always concentrate at your maximum. There was there was never let down. And when there was a letdown, again, there was hell to pay for a letdown. So being able to sustain that level of intensity, that level of concentration, that level of energy, whenever you played against your opponent, it was just a matter of time before he wore down. Mm -hmm. and, and being a smaller player, I have to depend on the bigger player to make a mistake. Right. Because if you're bigger, faster, stronger, then in sports, athletically, you're going to beat your opponent nine times out of ten. Right. And the only way that smaller player has an opportunity to win is when you make a mistake and now I can capitalize on your mistakes. Right. So what, what I prided myself on is mentally wearing people down. So if it's a two-hour game, I'm going to mentally exhaust you for two hours. And right. some people will get mentally exhausted, shit, in 15 minutes, excuse me. <laughs> they may get exhausted in 15 minutes. Some may right. get exhausted in a half hour. And I'm talking, I'm not talking physically, but you know, Shannon, from, from playing football, that mm -hmm. the, the, the level of concentration that you guys yes. have to, to run that pattern every single time, run it with intensity, run it with concentration, run it with speed. And, and you may only get thrown to maybe six times or four times that game. Correct. But you have to run that route with intensity and speed and concentration every single time. Because I got to think I'm getting the ball. Yes. But see, the difference between basketball and football, Isaiah, is that in football, all I have to do is worry about what I need to do offensively. You also got to worry about defensively. You got to worry about the back pick. You got to worry about all this other stuff. Okay, yes, I'm running the offense. I'm in charge of the offense. But I also got to make sure that Rodman and Sally and Mahorn and Lambert, all these guys, here come the, pick, here come the back pick. Here come the down screen. So you got to call out all those signals also. Yeah. And this is and this is where this is where now everything that you just described, now when you're my opponent, right, I am gonna make you hit every one of those screens <laughs> every play. <laughs> so for 48 minutes now, right, you gonna that's what we call tap tap. <laughs> right. You're gonna get tapped offensively and defensively. Every time you move, right, and and, and and that frustrates players, right. Who wants to, who wants to get a back pick, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're gonna get a, then you're gonna get another screen, then you right. have another screen, and then offensively, when you got the ball, when you're going through the lane, okay, we're not gonna let you run. You, we're not gonna let you run your route the way you want to run your route. Right. All right. You may want to run it down and out. Now you, you ain't going. So out. everybody come through the lane. They're gonna catch a hip from a horn, a lamb bear. <laughs> hey, Ronnie, Ronnie Lott is in yeah. the <laughs> so so if you want to go over that middle 
Hey, go ahead. <laughs> Isaiah, I got to be honest with you. The first time that I saw the saw you, I was watching the uh, eighty-one national, uh, the final four, and you guys were playing Carolina. So I was a Carolina fan. So I kind of wanted Carolina, and I thought they were going to win because they had a really good team. They had Jimmy Black, they had Al Wood, they had James Worthy, and I was like, they ain't got nobody but this little guy. They can't beat. They can't. They damn can't beat Carolina. Man, y'all blew the doors off them. Yeah, we. I think we ended up beating them by uh, 13 points. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Isaiah, that was also, I think the day, that day, uh, there was an a, a attempted assassination on, on Ray, uh, President Reagan. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. We, we, were, we were actually in our, in our hotel room. Mm -hmm. and we were watching All My Children. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'll never forget, you know, we all sitting around and we watching, you know, the stories of the soap opera at that time. That's what they call them the stories. That's what they call them the stories. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget they they said, you know, we interrupt this program. And Steve Risley, you know, he was always sarcastic and everything. He goes, ah, not again. The president's been shot. And and they came on and said, hey, you know, we interrupt this program. And, you know, the president's been shot. And, and Risley was like, wow, I knew. And, 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 and all of us at that time was just like, you know, in a state of shock. Right. Watching what we, what we were seeing. And we, we didn't, at that time, it didn't dawn on us that the game was even potentially being thought about being canceled. Mm -hmm. And this is the beauty of Coach Knight. Coach Knight was able to keep us focused. And while all the talk was going on about, well, should the game be played? Should the game not be played? We were always singularly focused on the game is getting played. It's getting played at this time, and this is what we have to do. Right. That was our only focus. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Don't miss the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, set in feudal Japan. Shogun tells the story of one warrior in the fight of his life as a mysterious European ship arrives in Japan. Catch FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. The Veil is a globetrotting game of truth and lies between two women with thousands of lives hanging in the battle. And crime fans, don't miss the all-new series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and is waiting for you on Hulu. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Don't miss the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, set in feudal Japan. Shogun tells the story of one warrior in the fight of his life as a mysterious European ship arrives in Japan. Catch FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. The Veil is a globetrotting game of truth and lies between two women with thousands of lives hanging in the battle. And crime fans, don't miss the all-new series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and is waiting for you on Hulu. 
Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Don't miss the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, set in feudal Japan. Shogun tells the story of one warrior in the fight of his life as a mysterious European ship arrives in Japan. Catch FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. The Veil is a globetrotting game of truth and lies between two women with thousands of lives hanging in the battle. And crime fans, don't miss the all-new series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and is waiting for you on Hulu. So going into the game, obviously two powerhouses. Uh, Indiana had won the 76 national championship game. That was the undefeated season. That was the last time a team had gone through gone through a season undefeated. Carolina is a, is a blue blood powerhouse. Going into the game, what's your thought process? So my thought process was that all those players you just named, so they had James Worthy, Sam Perkins. Mm-hmm. I was on the 80 Olympic team with Al Wood that got boycotted. So right. their back line was the best back line in basketball. Mm-hmm. Al Wood, James Worthy, uh, Sam Perkins. And, and I, and, and I knew that, okay, we were a good enough basketball team defensively, mm-hmm. but talent wise, they just had more talent than we did. Right. So my, my game plan was to just try to keep it close. And I understood Dean Smith's substitution plat- pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he would, they would platoon, they, they, they five guys in and out. Mm-hmm. And so, when he took Worthy and Al Wood out, I was like, okay. <laughs> you were going attack mode. When the second team came in, okay, yeah, now, now we can catch up. Because if you remember, we were down early in the game. Right, yes. And, and, it, and it looked like they was going to blow us out. And then when they made that substitution and we stayed in, that's when we came back and we was able to, you know, Get it, get it close at the half. Right. We were coming out the third quarter, and we had to jump on a quick. Uh, I think I made uh, two steals in a row that got us up. And once we got up defensively, I just thought they would have a hard time because at, at that time I thought, well, well, history says we were uh, in a tournament. I don't know if there's been a team uh, as dominant in the tournament as we were that year because every single game we won by double digits. Um, and actually Carolina was the closest game we had and we beat them by 13. So when did you know going into the game, what was the determining factor of you leaving Indiana uh, after your sophomore season? Did you know going into the game, win, lose, or draw, I'm out of here? I, I had no money. <laughs> <laughs> we, we came back from Hawaii, uh, from the Christmas tournament. Okay. I, and I came back and there were no lights in my house. Now this is dead of winter. No lights, you know, the gas turned off. My family, you know, was all in different places. Right. And I didn't know where anybody was because we didn't have a phone, you know, you couldn't call and find out. Right. And I never forget just trying to figure out where to go. And lucky enough for me, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, she had dropped me off at the house because she had a car. Of course, I, I didn't. <laughs> and she drove off. And for some reason, she turned around and came back. 
And had she not come back, you know, I'd have probably end up, you know, walking to my aunt's house and trying right. to find a place where everybody was. But, you know, we we were we was extremely poor. And when they when they said, hey man, you can make some money by going to the NBA, and I said, just playing basketball? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, for real? <laughs> so yeah, all you gotta do is declare hardship. I say, well, I'm hardship. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard over here where I'm yeah, living. Yeah. So uh, so we talk about Chicago basketball players, yourself. A.D., D-Wade, D-Rose, Antoine Walker, Maurice Cheek, uh, Tim Hardaway Sr., George Mikey, Mark Aguirre, Terry Cummins. Hey, y'all got a nice little little stick out there, Isaiah. Yeah, we've done all right. (laughs) (laughs) We we got, I tell you, my, my, um, so my, my high school graduating class, these are the these are the NBA players and NBA champions. Okay. Myself, Mark Aguirre, Doc Rivers, Craig Hodges, uh, Daryl Walker, and I'm with, I'm missing I'm missing one more. Um, oh, I'm missing one more. But we had six out of my high school class that went on to win. NBA championships. So you and Mark Aguirre were the same year. Yeah, we no, he was a year ahead of me. Ahead of you, so right? 78, 79. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, Eddie Johnson. Okay. Yes. So you declare, you go. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Mark Aguirre was the first pick in your draft, right? First you were number two. Draft. I was number two. So did it matter? I mean, because now, you know, guys, it, it, guys, you know, yeah, I want, it doesn't matter as long as I get drafted. But guys deep down really want to go to Team X or Team, you know, Team Y. Did it really matter where you were going? And you were just like, I'm going to the NBA. I'm going to be getting a check once a month, twice a month, uh, however it's going to be. But I'm going to have some money in my pocket. So I'm, I'm a Midwest boy, and I wanted to go back home to Chicago. Right. And Mark Aguirre and I both were trying to – you know, rig the draft, <laughs> we both can get to Chicago because Chicago had the fourth pick and the sixth pick. Okay. And and we were trying to drop all the way down to four and six. So every interview we did, you know, with the teams that were above us. Right. And we just we blew the interview. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know. And and I'll never forget when I when I interviewed in Detroit, it was Jack McCloskey and Will Robinson. Okay. And and Jack McCloskey, uh, you know, every question that he asked asked me, I you know I would answer it wrong, and you know I'm trying to you know I'm trying to drop, I'm trying to get people not to like me. Right. And I never forget, he looked over at me, he goes, "I know what you're doing. I just want you to know it ain't gonna work." <laughs> Number two, I'm taking you. I was like, "All right, the gigs up, <laughs> the gigs up." <laughs> So you 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 go you go to Detroit, and so what are you thinking? What are you like, man? How are we gonna turn this around? I mean, Detroit. Uh, I mean, because at that time, basically the Eastern Conference really it was like a three conference team, but it was really two. It was the Sixers, it was the Celtics, and you sprinkle in a little of the Bucks. But basically, it was the Sixers and the Celtics, and you knew that's what you. And they were young Celtics. Yeah, they were young. Yeah. So I I. I never looked at um, 
I never looked at we couldn't do it. Right. The question I asked myself is, how long would it take for us to do it? Okay. And and what did I have to learn? Okay. Because you know, winning in high school is one thing, then winning in college is another. Coming into the NBA, there's there's always an educational curve. Okay. So what I had to do was I had to go to school. And I really went to the school of the Celtics and the Lakers. Okay. I was fortunate enough that uh, I was friends with Magic Johnson, uh, Dr. Buss, Jerry West, Kareem, all of them let me into their, their inner sanctuary in terms of how they win, how they lose, how they prepare, what their tradition was all about, how an organization works. Okay. Uh, because in Detroit, we had, we had none of that. Right. And then, fortunately enough for me, ML Carr was in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, so ML and then Kevin McHale, who I played on the Pan Am team with, was friends with him. So when, when Boston and L.A. was competing, I was in one of their locker rooms all the time taking notes. And I was at every, every finals game just learning and educating myself on how to win, how to be a champion, and understanding what the pressure would be like in those buildings. Right. Because I knew at some point in time, I was going to come there and beat them. And right. that, that's what I did. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's never happening. There's no way a team will allow a, 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 person, a player from the opposing team, regardless of who you are. They're not allowing you in the locker room now. Little do they know. Did they know what you were doing? They just thought you were being friendly. No, absolutely. They knew. I, I told them. I, I, you know, and and that's why I say I was I was fortunate. Right. I was fortunate that they they allowed me to come in mm -hmm. and and learn. And this is where I, I give the Lakers and the Celtics credit because they were great champions. Um, not only were they great champions, but they were great teachers. They they would teach you. You know, they would tell you. You know what you did wrong. What you what you need to do, you know, uh, you know, it was like you know, it was like when Muhammad Ali was fighting, you know, uh, Leon Spinks, you know, and he would grab him, he go right, which oh yeah, yeah, so so they were great teachers, they were great mentors, and everything. If you look back at the Detroit Pistons and mm -hmm. all bad boys in terms of all trajectory, you can you can you can chronicle it. Everything that the Celtics and the Lakers did, we emulated, we implemented, and also acted. Uh, so they were great teachers. We were great students also. So you mentioned when you came in, okay, you come in in 81, Bird had arrived in, you know, 79. And so they got a young, dominant team, Bird, McHale. Parish. They had Nate Archibald. Then Nate Archibald leaves, and they come in with Dennis Johnson. And then they bring in, you know, they have Bill Walton. They just had a, 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 a cast of characters. And like, did you like? When is this gonna happen? No. So, so uh, again, you the my training has always been, you know, um, you know, mental, to physical. Okay. Four is to one. Okay. So. I was taught and trained how to take the physicality out of a game. Okay. So, so, so people who are bigger, stronger, faster, jump higher than you, or blessed with a genetic gene, I'm going to eliminate all of that 
and now I'm gonna make you play basketball. Okay. Right? So, and, and once you make them play basketball, then there's a certain frustration that, that comes along with that. Unfortunately for myself at that period of time, Bird, Magic, Kareem, Mikhail, Dennis John, you talking <laughs> level, man. <laughs> you talking basketball IQ that's just off the charts. Right. So not only so there was there was no wearing those guys down mentally. It was only can you can you understand what they're doing and gain knowledge. Right. And then put it on the rest of the league. Right. So um, you know, as as time went on, um, the the Lakers got a little older, the Celtics got a little older, and you know we were we wanted to come and we were young on the come, but not only were we young on the come, we had an intellect and an intelligence that was coming along with that, which which made us extremely dangerous. It's like when you look at that Celtics team that the the eighty six eighty seven Celtics. Uh, Lakers Celtics teams mm -hmm. those are those are looked at as two of the the best teams to ever play two of the mm -hmm. top five teams to ever play Correct. basketball in the NBA well in 87 we had the Celtics beat in 88 we had the Lakers beat that's how good a basketball team we were so once the play you made to play Bird still, you know, we we know the call. Bird stole it, passed it, DJ, DJ lays it up. Obviously, that had to hurt because you like, we got him dead to right. We yeah. got him. Yeah. What, what what I've been trying to accomplish since 81, since I arrived here in Detroit, it's about to happen. Yeah. What what's going through your mind that offseason when you knew you had him and you let it slip away? I got one more lesson to learn. <laughs> and next year I'm gonna beat him. Right. Because because I had him. Right. I, I had him. And 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 you saw the next year we came back and beat him. Right. And and that game five that I made the mistake in Boston, um go back and look at the next year, my game five in Boston, what I did. Let's <laughs> 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 go back. Have one of your stat guys go back and look at the next year game five in Boston. Oh, y'all, y'all gave that work because I hold on. Did they y'all they took one game? They might have took what was it four one or four two? Uh, four two. Yeah, yeah, but it, it was it was. I think they were mentally done. Yeah, but, they you know they they were they were a champion. They were they were mentally done, and and you hit the right word. You know, there there's only so long that you can sustain that concentration. But again, what I love about Boston is they they were great teachers. Right. They they were they were great teachers. I say I don't think people understand the mental and the physical toll it is to start playing in October and finish your season every year in June because that's what the because you remember like in the early part of the eighties it was. Celtics every year representing basically the East before you guys came over. It was the Celtics battling the Sixers to represent the East, and they were going against the Lakers. And it was that every single year. So if you go back like from 80, what, 83? So basically it was the it was the Lakers in 80, it was the Lakers in 82, it was the Lakers in 83, it was the Lakers in 80, in 85, it was the Lakers in 87, 88, 89, in the finals. 
We're not talking about no first round. We're talking about the NBA finals. And then it was you guys. You guys were battling the Celtics every year in the Eastern Conference finals. And then you go. You represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. Yeah. Year after year after year. And it takes a grind. We saw the grind that it took on Golden State last year. Kevin Durant. And that was only three for KD. The other guys had gone to five. And you see the toll that it took it took on them physically. Yeah. It's a, you know, the when when you're the champion and you're the best and you you prepare every night to be the best, um, there's an opponent that's bringing his best every single night to play. Right. So there really are no nights off. And then when you're the best player, there are certain standards that you have to bring to the game every night because now right. not only are you a, a good player, but now you're a performer also. So the audience is paying money to see you play. So not only do you have to play, but you also got to give a, give a good performance. And this is, you know, so Magic and I, you know, we, you know, we're very friendly with the Jacksons. And this is what we learned from, from watching the Jacksons and Michael Jackson that, that, that summer and that whole two years that we toured with them is that the energy that they brought every single night and the performance that they gave, no matter who was in the audience, no matter where they were playing, you got the best out of them every single show. And it was like, okay, there are some people that can give a concert, but then a Michael Jackson concert is different now. Yeah, because <laughs> he got to perform. Yeah, he can't have an off night. That's right. So and when you're the star of the basketball team, when you're the star of a team, you can't have an off night. You have off night. So that's what I tried to bring to my, my game. I tried to bring that that what Michael Jackson can can make a person in the 20th row feel an emotion that he was feeling when he would moonwalk or he would hit a move and the guy in the 20th row would be like, Ooh. well, I wanted to make that fan. Right. Feel that whenever I would like hit a good move, I would want that that person in the stand to feel that emotion that I was giving off and that energy because it felt good to me. I wanted them to feel that good too. I know it's hard, but you played in arguably the greatest era, the 80s, that we've seen. How would you rank Bad Boy Pistons, Showtime Lakers, the big three Celtics? Uh, the Bulls at the tail end, although they didn't win, they were on the. They did to you what you had did to the Celtics and the Lakers. They were stalking from an outside position. How would you, how would you rank how would you rank the dynasties of the eighties? So uh, you you'd have to rank the you know Lakers Celtics arguably one or two you know one okay. A one B depending on you know do you like vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream. <laughs> But it's still ice cream, you know? Right, right. Um, and in Philly, uh, that period of time with, with Moses and Dr. J, you know, in the 80s, um, you know, you got to give them their, their respect too. Mm -hmm. I think we would probably be, you know, in, in the 80s, uh, we would be somewhere in there as a basketball team. Now, talent-wise, the Lakers, the Celtics, the 76ers, we could not compete with their talent. Mm -hmm. But as a basketball team, as a right. unit, I would venture to say that our basketball team as a unit 
was just as good as their teams. Okay. However, if you just breaking it down by talent, we did not have the talent that any of those teams had, but not having the talent is really what made us even more special because we didn't have the luxury that they had. Right. You didn't have all those. I mean, the Lakers are littered with Hall of Famers. They got six or seven. You got, we know about Kareem and Magic and James Worthy and, and Jamal Wilkes and, and, and Bob McAdoo. We, we know about those guys. Norm Nixon, was, Norm Nixon was a heck of a player also. And you know about the big, the big three Celtics. But people don't realize Dennis Johnson was a finals MVP and a defensive player of the year. Bill Walton. Bill Walton was an MVP. He was a finals MVP. People don't realize just how good those teams were. And you took them down. And then everybody going to say, well, you know, they got no. But you still beat them. Nobody else beat them and they were getting old. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that they were getting old. We were that good. That's what <laughs> and so and so I, I gave you 86, 87. Those were the right. two best teams. Right. In 87, we had them beat. You did. In 88, we had the Lakers beat. Mm-hmm. So we, we were that good. Right. Now, now, when you look at Philadelphia, the Lakers, and the Celtics, every one of those teams that we just named in the 80s that were champions, all of them had three or four top 50 players on their team. Yeah. Not, not one. They had three or four top yeah. 50 players on yes team. yes Detroit Pistons and and this is this is why I say we were a great team I was the only one as as a top 50 player on my team that's how good a that's how good a unit we had become to compete against teams that had three or four top 50 players on their team yeah, I think the Celtics had like five because the big three, DJ and Bill yeah. Walton. Yeah, a couple of times. Hey, we're, we're going to talk about we're gonna, Isaiah, you caught, people, you caught a lot of criticism. And people say, well, he just hating. He just upset. You said, Michael wasn't my competition. I never chased Michael. I was chasing Larry and Magic. I was chasing the Celtics and the Lakers because they had what I wanted. Michael never had what I wanted. He was chasing me. I wasn't chasing him. Explain what you mean by that. You know, just head to head, you know, I was dominant over him. Right. You know, when, we, when our teams met, you know, when you go back and you look at until 91 when I, when I, when I basically had career-ending wrist surgery. Right. Up until then, you know, my record against 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 him and his team, you know, it was <laughs> it, it was it really was a competition there. <laughs> and um, you know, you know, and and most people think like we're you know I'm five years older than him, but we're only a year apart, year two, year and a half apart. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but you know, he just wasn't my competition. Now. Bird. He didn't have anything that you wanted. He didn't have no trophies. No. I, and, and like I said, my, my focus was Bird, Magic, Dr. J, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Those were the guys. Right. I, you know, I don't care what anybody say. 
you can go back and look at history. Those were the guys. They Dr. were. J, Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Kareem, Magic, James. Those were the guys. Right. <laughs> Because back then, the Celtics were putting four players on the all-star team. They have yeah. their three big guys and Dennis Johnson. I'm like, yeah. it, it, the East would look like the Celtics. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Is there anybody else in the East? Yeah. Well, there was Milwaukee. Because remember, Milwaukee. Milwaukee was good. That, Terry Cummings. They had uh, 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 Bob Lanier. They had Alvin Robinson. Yeah. They, would, they, would lose, they would lose to the Sixers. Milwaukee would lose to Philadelphia yeah. or Boston. Yep. Seven games. Yep. And that's how good that Milwaukee team was. Yep. I, so, I, 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 remember, I remember like yesterday. Yeah. So Chicago, I mean, and I'm, and I'm from Chicago and I'm from the West Side, but, you know, Jordan, Jordan was, you know, he, he dominated a different era. Right. But if you put Jordan in our era, you know, he, he lost a lot in our era. Right. Um, who would you say are the five toughest players that you've had to face? Again, you know, and, and you can just go by the winning records, right? <laughs> you know, right. Um, Magic, Kareem, okay. Bird, Bird, Dr. J, oh. and then I would say Jordan. Look, I believe, knowing you the little bit that I do, you're speaking like, you have to understand, when I came in in 81, the Lakers and the Celtics basically dominated. Michael was great, had great highlight reels, but he wasn't winning anything. See, people look at what he did in the 90s and they try to transport that back to the 80s, but that didn't happen in the 80s. No, and, and you got to understand, I, I, I play a different kind of game. So as I said to you earlier, your genetic gifts, right? I'm going to eliminate all of that. And now we're going to play basketball, and it's going to be about our, our, our mental stamina, you know. Because I, I can't I can't jump higher than 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 some. I can't I can't out height some. <laughs> I can't outweight some, but I can outthink a lot. Right. So, what I'm trying to understand, Isaiah, is that people. You said you learned from the Lakers, from the Celtics, and you implemented that to the bad boy Pistons. So you brought a mentality. Mm -hmm. So why do people criticize you for the type of basketball that your team played? Do they not remember the Celtics and the Lakers snatching each other out of the sky? Do they not remember them knocking each other in the front row? Why is it that the bad boy Pistons get this label but pretend like the Lakers and the Celtics were playing such beautiful basketball when they were just as physical and you learned that style of play because you felt the only way that you could beat the bully was to bully the bully. Well, what, what the bad boy Pistons also did was we stepped out of the sports arena uh -huh. and we started critiquing society from a race, class, gender, sport. So we, we, we started talking about race. Mm -hmm. We started talking about all the things that the champions talk about when coming from, from, all, from all community, 
when the champion gets the mic, he or she has to speak for what's going on inside the community. Right. So you, you have the voice, so you speak for the voiceless. Right. What the things that I was saying at that particular time about critiquing our industry, about we wanted, we needed more, more officials who were of color like us. Mm -hmm. We needed more coaches who were colored like us. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, the media that was covering us at that time, if you remember, females weren't allowed to even cover the sport. Right. They were just breaking into the sport. Mm -hmm. It was it was really all white male men right. who covered all sport. Mm -hmm. And the perspective that they had of us and of me was all the public read. Now, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, and we just chronicled my whole, you know, childhood and everything else. The first time I was called a thug, listen to me closely when I say this, Shannon. <laughs> first time I was called a thug. And we know what that means mm -hmm. was when I was in the NBA playing for the Detroit Pistons by a white Caucasian male who described me and my play as a thug and thuggish. Now, I've lived mm -hmm. my whole life and I've never been called a thug. But now I get to this arena in this playing field and now the and, and what I talked about then was the labeling theory. Mm -hmm. I said, all the negative labels that you are attaching to us. When Mandela came to visit us, everyone, everyone knew in the NBA what we stood for and what we were speaking about in Detroit. My No Crime Day March, all those things were happening. And so, you know, there, there was a certain backlash because I was pushing that we needed more people of color covering our sport. Right. So the Detroit Pistons today still have two African-Americans covering their beat. I'm proud of that. Right. Okay. Every, every beat writer that covered our team became a columnist because we were giving them access. Mm -hmm. So when you look back at, at what we were doing in the sport, and then me being the president of the Players Association, deregulating agents, putting in agent certifications, and giving the players back their money. Because if you remember, Shannon, remember all them stories of, oh, this player went broke, what happened to all their money? Mm -hmm. You don't read those stories no more that often. Right. Because the agents were taking 20% of the players' money off the top, and then they were taking 50% of endorsements, tax-free. Wow. So when, when you started to certify an agent, started putting in agent regulations. So, you know, the, the story around the Pistons and myself has a lot to do with agents' media perception. Right. Media talk about us. And so we, we kind of get pushed to the side. Because and you can only narrative use, out there that's very false about us, right? Because the because the person that's writing the story about you and the person that's reading it, if they don't know you well, this person is writing about writing about him, 
this is what he's saying about it. It must be true. At that time, yeah, because there was there was no Zoom. There right. Was no internet. <laughs> there was there, the only way you could get your voice out was to sit and talk to someone who had to interpret what you were saying. Right. Then they would write it. Right. Then it would get edited again. Right. So depending on what the editor or the writer wanted you to say, that's exactly what you said. Right. So your agency as a person, your ability to communicate, that was all sectioned off. So when this thing came along, internet, Zoom, technology, everything, okay, now you can, you can speak for yourself. Right. You got social media. So now you got access. You can you got your own platform. You don't need someone else to tell your story. I can tell my own story. Isaiah, before we move on, uh, you caught, I think, maybe in your playing days, one of the greatest, I guess, if you want to say. Turmoil that you got caught up in was in 1987 and you talked about that game and they went to Dennis Rodman mm -hmm. and they asked Dennis Rodman a question. And Dennis said, if Larry Bird was just black, he would be another player. They asked you. You answered. You were chuckling. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you're probably right. That was, we'd had, up until that point, I don't know if we'd had anything. I don't, I don't remember. Now, maybe you, you go back a little further than I do, but I hadn't heard anything. And you had to come out in an NBA Finals game, sit on the podium next to Larry, and explain your side of the story. Elaborate for the people that that's younger than Shannon that don't that doesn't remember that. Well, race and 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 controversy around race in this country has always been a conversation. Yes, we have always been trying to uh, elevate and get ourselves out of this race box that they put us all in. Yeah, and. And in that period of time, I was having a conversation because it was, um, uh, it was the, I think it was the 25th um, anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball. Mm -hmm. And and that week, all we were talking about was stereotypes. Do stereotypes? It was the 30th. What, what might have been the? It might have been 47. It might have been the 40th. It was the 40th anniversary. Okay. 47 because Jackie came in in 47, and that was 87. Okay. Well, thank you for correcting me. I, I, know, I know it was one of those anniversaries. Yes, yes. And, and so we were talking about stereotypes, race, everything else. And, and I was having a conversation about how, yes, these stereotypes that, that you have stuck on us as athletes and also in society, they still exist. And I was using the black quarterback as an example mm -hmm. uh, of how the the black quarterback in the NFL at that time still wasn't perceived to have the knowledge, the Correct. capability of, of leading a team, quarterbacking mm -hmm. a team, and running a team. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was all for debate. Yeah. And I'm saying that was the same in sport. Right. The Magic Johnson is given credit for being a great athlete, but he's not given credit for being the smartest player right. in the sport. Kareem, the same thing. Um, and now, Bird had just dropped, you know, I think he had a triple-double on us and had went off. Now, our relationship with the Celtics 
was always a close relationship. Mm -hmm. Even though we competed hard, we right. played hard against each other, but we always had a close relationship. And, and I can remember telling Bird, hey, Rodman, you know, the, our first, his first exhibition game, we were in, um, in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Bird, like, this, this one here can guard, he can defend, so forth and so on. Anyway, Bird ended up, you know, giving it to him. But throughout the year, you know, Robin was getting a little better and a little better and a little better. Now, we're all frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. And those of us now who have gotten to know Dennis Rodman, back then people didn't know Dennis Rodman, but you, when you're a teammate, you know who this person really is, right. what his upbringing is about, what his life is about, who his who his closest people in his life are about. Right. So Rodman makes a comment, we just got beat. And you can, yeah, you can see me chuckling, kind of blowing off the comment, like, yeah, you know, Rodman, if, ha, 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 ha. Right. And, but here's the mistake that I made. The mistake that I made was that you're, you're never supposed to repeat another person's quote. Right. So again, back then, Shannon, we didn't have media training and all that, what we right. got now, right? Yeah, yeah, so, it was trial by five, Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, so, so now, you know, Robin makes that, and then I repeat his quote, and now it's like, oh, Isaiah said it. So everything that I was talking about in terms of stereotypes, labeling theory, and everything else that was going to be headlines and be talked about, now all of a sudden that narrative shifted and got changed and we never really got to have the real conversations like we're still having today. You mentioned that you and Magic Johnson are good friends. Is there a difference between Magic Johnson on the court and Irving Johnson off the court? Oh, Irving Johnson will give you anything. Magic Johnson <laughs> cut your throat. <laughs> I mean, that, when, when you're competing, and again, this is, this is this is what the general public fail to see about us as athletes in terms of competition. We can compete and be angry and, 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 and show all those emotions and passions and everything else that the sport brings out of us. That's what makes us good. But then when the game is over, we can go get a pizza. Right. You know, and, and and that's to me, that's the compelling and fascinating thing about us as athletes. And I do think this is why a lot of athletes probably sometimes talk or reference themselves in the third person. Because Shannon, you know, the person that you are outside of the lines, right. inside the lines, you're a totally different person. Correct. Now you can't you can't you 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 can't carry, you know, 84 inside the lines, outside the lines. You go no. to jail. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Go to jail. <laughs> right. So I who who did you love competing against the most? Of 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 Magic, Larry, Dr. J, Kareem, whomever. Who was your who did you love competing against the most? I, I would I would have to say I would have to say magic only because of the friendship mm -hmm. and then how smart he was. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you talk again, magic, Kareem, Bird. Dr. J, I mean, them guys, I mean, you, hey man, you, you bring your books to school, <laughs> you know, 
every day and you you come into the classroom and you taking notes because right. their their intellect and their understanding of, of play every time you made a mistake they took advantage of it so right. it'd be like um if i was to give a football analogy now it's tom brady right you playing against tom, and tom brady ain't fast and everything but you know what every time you make a mistake all right you're gonna give me them five yards bam I'm take them five Right. Give them five yards. All right, I'm gonna take them five. You gonna give me them three yards? Okay, I'm gonna take them three. Right. Oh, you gonna give me them seven? I'm gonna take them seven. Right? right. So they they pick you apart, and they're patient enough and disciplined enough to do the right thing every single time. So learning from those guys, you know, magic. I would say magic was because he he and I played the same position, and he was eight inches taller and bigger, faster, and everything else. But the, the chess game that, that we would play during the course of the game was always, you know, fascinating to me. So you're trying to make, you're trying to make a person play the game from the neck up. I'm gonna take everything else, I'm gonna take everything else out of the equation. We're gonna play this basketball game. I know we gotta put the ball in the hoop, but we're gonna play the game between, from the neck up, and we're gonna see who's gonna win. Yes, your, your genetics are a non-factor. Okay. Right, you're 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 blessed with the genetic gifts of size, height, and jumping ability. Okay, I'm going to take all that and I'm going to eliminate that, and and now now let's let now let's play. So and 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 that takes that takes a lot of mental skill to be able to to maneuver in a game like that, and and eliminate somebody's physicality. And now we're going to play a mental chess game. When you walked away from the game, Isaiah, what did you miss most? Did you miss the game? Um, I was fortunate enough to go right into owning a team in Toronto. Right. right. So physically, I knew I was done. My body was shot. I had nothing left. I didn't. I didn't miss the game as much because now I was able to. Uh, so you were still around it. You just weren't playing. Yeah, I was still able to think about it, be be around it, be about it. Did you hang out with many players in the offseason? Obviously, you say you and Magic were very good friends. Did you hang out with players in the offseason? No, I was in school. So you remember? Up, you I, I, left, I left in 81. I graduated in 87. I went to summer school, double sessions, every year until I graduated. Okay. And that, and that, that little dance where you see me dancing around after I make the shot. Right. That was Mother's Day. I was graduating on that day. We beat the Atlanta Hawks. And my mother, who only had a third grade education, got to walk across the stage in my cap and gown at Indiana and graduate. Wow. That, that was a beautiful day. And then after that, you know, um, you know, I had a family. I had, so, so hanging out and all that, that was never me. I mean, right. I, I really... Most people don't know, but I'm really, I was a nerd. I, I read a lot, still read a lot. Went back to school, got my master's at, uh, at Cal in education, uh, University of California, Berkeley, got a master's education from there. So I've been in school, you know, all my life, going to school, learning, trying to get better. How do you react when people call you a dirty player? I laugh, I smile. <laughs> see, that's what Isaiah. See, that's what get they call him. They call you the smiling assassin because see, they say, look at him, he be smiling, and all the time he gut you. Well, here, here's what 
here's what I learned on the west side of Chicago being poor. I, I am not going to give you the power right. to A, to, to judge me, or B, put your perceptions on me. Right. I'm confident in myself and knowing who I am, what I'm about. And, and that really comes from my poor experience of being shamed. Right. Uh, and so coming into the NBA, uh, you know, I got food in my refrigerator every day, Shannon. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and most people don't understand how important that is. Oh, absolutely. I do. Right. So the fact that I, I got food in my refrigerator, I can put gas in my car, and I got a roof over my head. Hey, man, I made it. Everything else is, you know, you know, be on top. <laughs> right. I said, look, I know it was painful because you were on the Olympic team. You were, let me look at this, make sure I get this right. You won male athlete of the year for the night in 1980. You were going to be on the Olympic team. It got boycotted. The, the, the Soviet invaded Afghanistan. President Carter said, no, they're not going show protest because then if I'm not mistaken, it was in, it was in, it was in Moscow. That's where it was. Yeah, it was in Moscow. And so they boy, we boycotted them. They returned the favor in 84 when it was in LA. All indication. Everybody says you poll all the, all the, the, the great, who's the second greatest, most people, 95%, 99% of people going to say Magic Johnson is the greatest point guard ever. The other Isaiah Thomas. So, when the greatest collection, supposedly, of basketball players, and okay, we'll, we'll, I'll agree with that, 12 or what, 11 of the 12 went to the Hall of Fame, in the, pro, uh, in the Basketball Hall of Fame. How does that make you feel when everybody keeps saying Isaiah Thomas is, Thomas is the second greatest point guard ever, but for that one year, he wasn't worthy enough for being on the Dream Team? Because as you mentioned, you won finals MVP, you're a uh, most outstanding player. You're all-star game MVP. You got a lot of credentials. And I've heard you say it's the only thing that's on your resume that you feel that hasn't been filled in. Yeah. Um, so I, I was I was disappointed. You know, I, I was hurt. Um, I, was, I was all of those range of emotions that you could uh, think of. You know, mad, angry, all, all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, but then after that, you know, you root for the team, right? You know, that, that, that's how I've, that's how I've grown up. Um, you know, I didn't make it. So I rooted for the USA. Yeah. Um, I root, I root for them too. I mean, you, I know you want to win, but Isaiah. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it. And, right. And I'm, and I'm not trying to blow past it. I do want you to know, yeah, I, I went through all those emotions. Mm -hmm. But again, Shannon, where I came from, right? Right. I came, I came from the dirt and less than the dirt. Right. So, so having disappointment all my life, being disappointed again, you know, dealing with death and everything. I mean, I, you know, I was going to funerals and every week, so it, it wasn't no more tears left. Right, you know what I mean. The way I right. was growing up. So now that I didn't make the, the the dream team, you know, that's another hurt. But it it ain't it ain't it ain't stopping my life. You, right. you know what I mean. It. But yeah, did I want to be a part? Did I 
did I deserve to be a part? Yeah, all that is true. But the fact is, I wasn't. And so now you gotta, you, you gotta get up. You gotta get did up. You did you watch The Last Dance? Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. I watched it with great fascination and I watched it with great disappointment. Because you heard a lot of the guys chime in and say, well, Isaiah did it to himself and nobody wanted to play with Isaiah. But I've heard so many of these other players say, you don't have to be the best of friends if the common goal is about winning. Well, the common goal was about winning the gold medal. Well, if the common goal is about winning the gold medal, who cares if your best friend with Isaiah? Hey, you know what? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just using what they say. I'm just using what they say. They say you do not have to be best friends with a teammate. You don't have to go out to dinner. We don't have to go to the movies. We ain't got to bring our wives and kids together. All we're trying to do is win a title. So you mean to tell me, even though you might not have liked Isaiah, you couldn't set that aside to win a gold medal. So now it matters if you get along. Whereas before you're telling me as long as you win a championship, because it's hard for me to believe. I know I played a team sport. Everybody on a 53-man roster ain't friends and they ain't friendly. So this notion that you need to be best of friends, hold on, y'all ain't like y'all all hanging out. Oh, you know, we going overseas and so everybody's out every night together. I'm sure you're going to have your wife and kids. Y'all probably would have been touring Barcelona and doing your thing just like everybody else was doing their thing. I don't, that's, that's one of the problems that I have because I followed the game for a long, long time, Isaiah. And I say, I don't care what y'all tell me. Isaiah was one of the 12 best players in the NBA at the time. Well, he ain't the all-time assist leader. I say, John Stockton wasn't at that time either. He became that. I'm talking about at that moment when they're making that selection, Isaiah Thomas was one of the best players. And you can't convince me otherwise. His resume says so. But it, they let personal feelings get involved in this, Isaiah. Well, after watching Last Dance, it just, you know, and we, we won't dance around it here. Oh, well, let's don't dance around it then. Let's yeah. get to it. it. It seems like it was only one person that had a problem with it. Uh, right. And, and that was Jordan. Now, I didn't, at, at that time, I didn't realize, and even, even, until I watched The Last Dance, I didn't realize that he felt the way he felt about me. Because again, Shannon, I, I had never had no, no you know, bad words with him or anything like right. that. We, we played, you know, his team won and my team won. We went home, they went home. Right. Uh, again, we didn't have the internet. And, and as you can see, what I saw, what I saw in terms of the Chicago Bulls, you know, all nightlife wasn't as good as that. <laughs> you know, so we were, you know, we weren't, you know, that that's not how we 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 and I got down, you know. Right. So most of and when I look at that dream team, right, I had, I mean, we 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 knew each other, but the only person that I really knew on the dream team was right. magic and right. a personal relationship. Because again, you know, I was in school. You know, I was, I was married. I was doing my thing. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't hanging out like trying to be friends and, and all that stuff. Right. So there's nothing. So, and so you believe, you believe, I mean, after watching that, that the one guy that had a problem with you was the reason that you weren't on the team. I'm just going by what he said. 
<laughs> I mean that that's what that's what the you know that's what the tape said. That's what he said, and that's you know and and you know and because a lot of a lot of people forget Isaiah. They said well because when you had beaten them the previous, you beat them four one, four two, four three, and they finally broke through and they beat you guys. Uh, and they said that each time that you beat them, they shook your hand. But I don't know if people rem remember this. In 88, when you beat the Celtics, they walked off the court and they didn't shake your hand. Yeah. You remember that, Isaiah? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And, and by oh, the way. So, so, but, but nobody said, hold on. Let, nobody said a word about that. It was only became an issue when you guys walked off the court and didn't shake. And I, look, I'm not excusing what you did, but if you didn't have a problem with it three, four years earlier, why you got a problem with it now? Yeah, and 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 so, yeah, the, when the Celtics walked off, right? Um, here's the difference: we as the Pistons, we never made a big deal, right? Celtics walking off, not shaking our hands. They were champions. And they deserve to 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 go out how they want to. Yeah, and 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 we were thankful and grateful for the lessons that they taught. And now we go on to try to beat somebody else. Right. We never we never sat around and said, oh, you know, Mikhail and, and Mikhail and I are good friends still today. Right. You know, and, and 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 before Dennis Johnson and all them guys, before Dennis Johnson passed, and you know, Larry and I, we see each other today, and, and it's still cool. But we never. We never said, wow, they didn't shake our hand. What poor sports. And we, we never did that. It was like, okay, they were, they were champions. They were exiting. And, and, and we moved on. The, the other thing that, that I would say is the, the night before, now we're down 3-0 in the series. You've heard me speak glowingly about the Celtics and the Lakers as champions. Mm -hmm. And when we were getting ready to beat them and we knew we had the better team and they were going down, we wasn't the day before talking about how they were bad and they were this and they were Right, that. they're bad for the NBA, yes. We gave them their respect. Right. Now, Jordan, before, you know, before, you know, they swept us, you know, the night before, you know, he has this, big press conference where he he annihilates our team. And the one thing that really, you know, hit us hard is when he called us undeserving champions. Now you've won Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. You've been a champion. Yeah. Now imagine someone saying that what you earned and what you did, you were undeserving of it. And by the way, it wasn't a coach. It wasn't a media person. It was one of your peers. Right. What made, why do you think you said that? What made you guys so undeserving? I don't know. <laughs> these, these are questions that, that, that you have to ask him. Right. Now, all I can do is speak for us and speak for the Detroit Pistons. So, you know, when we, when, when we walked off and, and Lambeer said, I'm not shaking their hands. And this is how we rolled. We rolled as a team. We rolled as right. a team. 
you know, it's one for all, all for one. You know, and, and Lambert was like, this is what we're doing. So you fall in line. And that's why right. I, I didn't, none of us knew that and that the camera would be on you and right. this was supposed to be a passing of the torch. Shannon, that that is some BS. Ain't never been no torch pass and <laughs> glorious moment and all right. that. All that narrative around that was just total made up BS to make one team or one player look bad and another one look good. That was it. Isaiah, I know you you work for NBA TV and I know you still follow the game. What player you think reminds you of yourself? Who plays the game like Isaiah Thomas? Um, I, I'll put it to you this way. I like watching Kyrie Irving play. You, that, that's who I was – because he like, had a rock like you. Yeah. <laughs> I like watching Steph Curry play. Now, I don't know if I played as good as them, uh, but I like watching them too. Right. Um, I always thought that – and I looked at – I looked at our era and I looked at myself as, as very unique. Um, I looked at myself as a player, you know, as a Picasso, as, a, as an original. Right. And, and so I'll, I'll, I'll go back to those five players that we named earlier. Kareem, Magic, Bird, Dr. J, Michael Jordan. Okay. None of them played like each other. Everybody was kind of an original. Right. And when I came into the NBA, I looked at myself as an original. So when I look at the NBA right now, I do see some guys carving out their originality in their own space. Right. I think Steph Curry has done it. I think Kyrie has done it. Uh, other guards, uh, they're, still, they're still trying to get there. You know, and I'm not talking about now somebody say, oh, you don't like hard and all that. No, that ain't what I'm saying. I'm saying when you look at, you know, guys that have done things that I just haven't seen, like some stuff that Kyrie do with the basketball, I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> you so like it does like he got on the screen at times. It, it's a little different. It looked like he looked like he looked like he dancing with it or something, right? Let and, me ask you this, Isaiah, because I I find it sometimes in my profession and guys in my era, why is it so hard? from greats of one era to give credit to greats of another era. Oh, he couldn't have played in my era. Oh, he wouldn't have done that in my era. Why is it so hard? It's okay. It's, it's okay, but some of it is true, Shannon. There, there are a lot of guys who play in the NFL right now. They run across the middle free. Oh, yeah, yeah. The rules are different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know there are some guys who are running across that middle right now. Yes. When, when you was playing – Ain't no way in the hell they was going across the middle. They would, they would definitely think twice <laughs> before going in there with no caution. Absolutely. Ain't, ain't no think twice. Hey. But as, even that's the case, though, Isaiah, you still will give credit when credit's due. Yeah. You, you don't, you know, if a guy's good, you're like, you don't make it about the error. You no. say you can only do in the error what you're doing in the end. That's what you do. And, and, and so I look at this error. And I say, I see some of the most skilled, unbelievable shot makers yes. that, I, I, that I have ever seen. Yes. And, you know, the, the stuff that Kevin Durant, I've, I've never seen. There was no Kevin Durant in my era. Right. Seven feet tall, shaking it, shooting it from the, I hadn't seen that. 
Right. I'm gonna tell you who else. This Porzingis kid. Right. Ain't ain't no seven three dude that I've seen Porzingis doing. Right. Okay. Steph Curry stepping out. I mean, this is like pressure time in the game. Him and Clay Thompson pulling from the hash mark. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hadn't seen that. So the, the, step, the step back three, Isaiah, is is I mean, because what used to be a bad shot, son, don't take that shot. We can get a better shot. Yeah. You're encouraging guys now. Guys are taking two dribbles past half court and letting it fly. Yeah, so th th this – now, you've seen it before in the, in the rec league or in the park. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, not the, yeah. but in the real game – Yes. In the real game, it's like – hadn't seen it. It's all -star like, game. You know, in all-star games, Isaiah, guys, yeah. uh, you put all your stuff on display. You dribble a little bit. You pull up from, you know, for 33. They do this in a regular game. Yeah. For real. They do this in a playoff game. Guys are letting hash mark threes goals in yeah. a playoff game. Yeah. So we the, – the NBA right now, skill-wise, it's the best skill I've ever, ever, ever seen, you know. Right. And I'm, I'm not talking low post game because low post game is the worst low post game ever. Yeah, ain't no more low post play. You got to be able to shoot three. Yeah. Now, this is the this is the best we've ever seen. Right. Uh, now, this also is the worst defense I've ever seen in the NBA. Well, they don't want you to play. The people won't score in Isaiah. They don't want no 85-90 game. You know they want 115-122. But I got to critique it now. <laughs> you talk about the Pistons and you talk about the bad boys. Yes. We was putting up 112, 110, 107, 108. The Lakers was putting it up. Celtics was putting it up. You know, now that 90s, again, everybody wanted to put the bad boys in the night. That wasn't us. That was the New York Knicks with Pat Riley there. And the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat. That wasn't us. Right. It's like everybody wants to be the bad boys and act like the Pistons. Teams can emulate us. We just can't be ourselves because they say it's bad when we're the Pistons. But anybody else can um, I, I, I've heard you on several occasions. He prays on LeBron James. Yeah. How impressive is what he's doing at the age of 35 and year 17 with all the miles, with all the minutes, with all the playoff games, with all the games under his belt? He's still playing as if he's the best player, which I do believe that he is still currently the best player in the NBA. How is he doing this? We have never seen in the NBA a player like LeBron James. And he breaks a record every single night just to remind you that you've never seen this before. Right. Now, some, people will, some people will have a record and they're dominating one category. But this dude is dominating. He's in the top 10, Shannon, in... in, in Every category. <laughs> that ain't that's never happened. Right. In 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 from the guard position or the wing position in our sport. Right. And when it's all said and done, it's gonna be hard for people to look back 10 years from now and say he wasn't the best. Because you can have your emotional best. Right. Right. But what this guy's doing and what he's been doing, I, I'll put it to you this way. Um, in football, right? Remember yes. when you first saw Bo Jackson? Yes, I do. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. And imagine if Bo Jackson would have stayed healthy mm-hmm. and still kept getting better. Right. Well, that's LeBron James. And, and, and there's never been a freak in football that's been similar, but they ain't never been a freak like Bo Jackson. No. Well, no. we got a freak in basketball, and I ain't talking about the Greek one. I'm talking about the American one. Right. You know, and, Le- and LeBron James. Right. We have never seen this type of athlete body performance consistency from a guy this long. Just haven't seen it. You fall in the game. You fall in the game closely. The Lakers are about to play in, play in a little while. Who do you like? Who do you? You got to pick a team. You got to handicap this. You know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the little guys. So I, I, I still, I still, you know, emotionally, I'm, I'm tugged for, you know, Harden and Westbrook because I do right. want them to work. <laughs> yes. But like I've been saying do, throughout the show, when the guy's bigger faster and stronger, that guy's going to win. And you'll, the only thing you can depend on, the only advantage you may have is if that guy makes a mistake. Right. LeBron James, he ain't making no mistakes. Right. So, you know, he going to beat the, the smaller player most of the time. Because the thing is that when you look at Harden, and that's a nice style of play, but so many things have to go right, Isaiah. Think about it. They made 22 threes, and they still only had a little over 100 points. James Harden and Russ go, both go for 60, over 60 combined, and they, barely, and they barely have 100 points. Well, when you play in that kind of basketball and you're still not winning, they're like, what else can I do? That, that, that. That's how I used to come home some nights after playing against Magic or Bird. <laughs> hey, hey, Coach, we had 22 threes. They still beat us by eight. Coach, we had two guys, go, our two stars go off, and they still beat us by double figure. What else now? What, what, what are we turning to now? Yeah. It, it ain't working. <laughs> of all, John Elway was my quarterback. And talking to him, Ozzie Newsom, who's a good friend of mine, he played the tight end position. He was a great exec for 20 years with the Ravens, drafted a lot of Hall of Fame players, won two Super Bowls. He said, son, putting a team together is a lot harder than actually playing. He said, because when you play, you have some control of the outcome of the game. He said, when you put a team together, he said, you draft the best, you try to sign the best free agents, and it's out of your hands. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So I, I remember uh, when I when I first uh, took the job over in Toronto, and uh, I visited um, you know a couple of people. Um, so the, and I actually I actually um, um, visit uh, some of the football people, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I visited uh, Buddy Ryan. Mm-hmm. I remember Buddy Ryan talking to me, and and he said, you know, when you because I was talking about, you know, drafting players, everything, where you look for. And Buddy said, well, I just want you to remember this. That guy that you draft, every time he's running up and down the court, he's got your paycheck in, your, in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure, make sure you pick wisely. <laughs> because Absolutely. that guy that you're coaching, or that you're drafting, 
that guy is running up and down the field or down the floor, and that guy has his your paycheck in his mouth every night. <laughs> so all, which was harder, playing, coaching, or building a team? Playing. Really? Playing. Absolutely. Well, when, you, when you're talking about winning the championship, yes. and then you, as small as I am, in a big man's league, right? all the rules are, are geared against you, the small player, right? and they favor the bigger player. Right. There is no bigger mountain I had to climb right. uh, at, in, in my professional life than trying to win an NBA championship as a small person and then doing it back-to-back. And that's the thing, though, Isaiah. If we go back and look at it, really, only you and Steph have won championships as the lead as guards, small guards. Now, Magic, but Magic was 6'9". You're talking yeah. about you and Steph, 6'1", 6'2". So as small guards, as you mentioned, in a big man's league, to, to be out front, that's, that doesn't happen. Now, Allen Iverson did get his team to an NBA Finals as a small guard, but to ultimately win that prize, that's very unique in, in the history of the NBA. We're not just talking about in the last 20 years. We're talking about in the history because the game has always been dominated by bigs, from Mikan to Chamberlain to Russell to Kareem to Magic and Bird. Jordan, I guess, I mean, but Jordan, Jordan wasn't 6'1". Jordan was still 6'6". He was 6'6 with a 49-inch vertical. <laughs> so he was just flying over everybody, huh? That's what I'm saying that genetic gift, right? It's like, it's like I ain't got that, <laughs> you know. But that's why that's why I admire Steph, and I got mad love and respect for Steph because, you know, Steph Curry, in his run, he had to beat arguably the greatest player ever. Mm-hmm. Doing my run, I had to beat arguably the greatest four players ever at that time. You know, Magic, Kareem on the same team. Right. Bird, and, you know, Dr. J, you know, Jordan. You know, people don't realize, like, you know, back in the day, Dr. J was like, you know, thought of as the doctor. Dr. J was Jordan before Jordan was Jordan. Exactly. Everybody. And you wore those weapons. So you remember the cons. If you didn't have a pair of cons, Dr. J cons. Exactly. But you made you weren't, you ain't have no shoes. Cause Nike, you know, Nike became when Jordan, you know, they, they made the shoe for Jordan and they took off then. But, but prior to that, everybody wore cons or Chuck Taylors. You probably had Chuck Taylors in high school, but yeah, you know, but the yeah. cons, the cons were it. So I would say, you know, um, you know, Steph Curry, you know. Winning against LeBron James, you know, to me, that was a that was a huge feat mm-hmm. uh, for a small person uh, to be able to to defeat him. You've enjoyed success on a lot of different levels. You're a great college player, great NBA player. You coached. You are an exec. What would you say was the main reason why Isaiah Thomas was able to enjoy success? Um. I would say uh, uh, being grateful, um, you know, having having gratitude and appreciating what I 
what I have, what I was able to accomplish, understanding how difficult it was, but truly being appreciative of, you know, the life that that I've that I'm leading and that I've led. I'm I'm living a life that I never dreamed about. I never knew it existed, the type of life that I'm living. And I'm I'm truly grateful and thankful that um I'm in this place and I don't take it for granted. One more thing. Isaiah, were you a trash talker on the court? Was I who? A trash talker. Oh no, I didn't I didn't have to talk trash unless somebody was talking trash to me. Now, what I what I what I was, I I was um uh, um I would definitely mess with your mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like um I would I would I would always try to break your trust with with your teammate. Right. You know, so a lot of times, you know, you would know the play that's being called and you'd say to the person who you're guarding, oh, I know your guy ain't gonna pass you the ball because he'll never pass it anyway. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna leave you wide open. Let's see if he throw you the ball. <laughs> and then come back and be like, I told you he wouldn't pass you the ball. <laughs> People say Larry Bird might have been the greatest trash talker in NBA history. How much did Larry talk on the court? Larry talked a lot. <laughs> I don't even talk a lot. He backed it up. And and I, I never seen a guy come by come by our bench and look at our coach and tell our coach, you gonna put him on me? <laughs> oh, you coach, you make a mistake. You sure you want this guy to guard me? And then get the ball and score on. Now that's ruining your confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that that's bad. Yeah. Isaiah, I really appreciate you taking time out today to stopping by Club Shay Shay, giving me a couple of minutes of your time. I really appreciate it. Wish you and your family all all I the blessings. Give you a world. couple of minutes. We I gave you a couple of hours. Uh you gave me hour forty five, but I ain't want to tell nobody. Hey. Isaiah, I really appreciate it, bro. Appreciate you too. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.